In 2019, what have you built up? What have you created and what have you connected to? And in 2020, what are you going to create? What are you going to be building? What are you going to be connecting to? You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. It is our last Sunday of the year, but also of the what? The decade. What in the world is happening? I mean, oh my goodness. Blows my mind this morning for us. Uh, The next time that we meet, it will be the start of the roaring 20s again. The 20s. What in the world? It's going to be crazy. But uh, about three years ago, we started a... a, uh, Tradition with the last Sunday of the year, we, we we use it for a special service. We call it the the examine service, right? The idea is that we take time to kind of look at ourselves, to kind of examine our lives, to ask questions, right? You think about a doctor who who takes you into the examination room, right? The idea there is that we need to find out how healthy is this person, and we use questions and we 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 kind of look into very specific places. Because we know if we look these places hard enough, close enough, uh, we'll be able to find out the health. And so for us, the examination is our lives. How healthy uh, is our life? What's it look like right now? And the reason we do this is because we understand that as Christians, our faith is not lived out um, on the, the day that we chose to follow Jesus, the day that we said a prayer. Our faith is not even lived out um, with our baptism. Our baptism is the start of our faith, right? It's, it's the wedding, right? It's, it's the celebration. It's the making it official. This bond is real. This relationship has officially begun. But if you've learned anything about being married, if you are married, right, the work has only just begun. Amen. Come. Nice comedic timing. I appreciate that. Well done. Right? The work has just started. The relationship has just begun. This is where it actually starts, right? And so for us, what's, what's frustrating about us as humans is that we don't naturally just obey God, right? Wouldn't it be easy if you just woke up and you just floated into obedience, into whatever God wanted you to do in that moment, in that space, it just naturally came out of you. That's not the way that we tend to work, right? We, we have to be intentional, about it, right? We have, to, we have to make sure, we have to be on purpose. There should be effort applied to make sure that we are steering in this direction. So that's why we have this, this Sunday every year. Uh, it's a famous Sunday. Uh, it's most famous for one thing, that m- there are more lead pastors on vacation this Sunday than any other of the year. Do you know that? There are more uh, youth pastors preaching in the country than any other time in the entire uh, calendar, right? But for us, uh, even though we always know the attendance is going to be lower because people are traveling, uh, it's, it's become a special thing for us. Uh, I appreciate this time of the year uh, to examine our lives, right? The intention uh, in all these different things that I try to offer you, I genuinely want you to grow with Christ. Um, hopefully there's a season that you'll enter into where things like this become helpful to you. So I hope that you uh, pull something out of this this morning. Uh, I was thinking about our series that we just ended, this idea that hope has a rhythm, and we talk about all these different things with rhythm, and the one thing that's that's been very clear to me as I've studied these different ideas in the Scriptures is there are two things that human cannot help but do. 
If you are breathing, if you are a human being in this room right now, there are two things which you will always do, whether you are aware or not aware. The first one is this. You will always seek to create something, to build things. Humans are builders. You are always going to be building something, creating something. And the second thing that you'll always be doing is connecting to something. You'll always be building or creating, and you'll always be connecting. You can't even help it. It's, it's in your very nature. You cannot pull it out of you, right? If you are a very unhealthy human, if you are sick emotionally, mentally, physically, you are losing your ability to create things, to build things, and to connect to things. Whether it's mental health or physical health, if you lose the ability to do these things, we define you as sick. Now, I want to start this year off, or in this year, with the passage of Babel. Now, there are all sorts of different angles we can pull from a story or from uh, the Scriptures. But the one I want you to see is this. The Scriptures start with the story of God creating human beings. And in this creation, God identifies what we are created for, like what He's built inside of us, what we do. And in the first stories of how God intended human beings to be, there are two things He intended human beings to do. To build and to connect. Even in the way that they were to build this new world, right? To the word being used to steward this thing. Even the first task that was given to Adam was to name the animals. To connect to them. Have you ever noticed that you name your pets? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, we are alive today. Come on, it's the last Sunday of the decade. We've got to have some, some energy, right? When you bring your pet iguana home, because you have a very sick mind and you like reptiles, whatever, and you bring your pet iguana home, you know, your dragon or whatever you call those things, right? And you're petting it, right? Do you name it? Yes. Why? Because we love it. Pastor Zach has pictures of himself with his dragon just laying on his chest, just, just like staring at his eyes. <laughs> to me, that is like the most uncomfortable position you could ever put me in. Have me sit down, hands to the side, and put a, a, a giant lizard on my chest. I have a name for that thing, but I can't say it here. <laughs> and so we name things to connect to things. There's something about that, right? When you have that special someone whoever that is, right? A friendship, a relationship, a child, you give them pet names, right? What are some good pet names, anybody? I will not share the pet name that is on my phone for my wife, but is there anyone else? Is there anyone else that has pet names for people in your life? Come on, there's names you give people, right? You guys are really holding out on me today. What? Sweetie, that's lame. Come on, more. Big Papa, and the winner is... Big Papa. Someone listened to 90s rap. <laughs> wow. Man, today's getting good. I like this. Big Papa. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm completely derailed for the rest of the day. I'm done. And we give people these pet names, right, to create a deeper connection. There's something about this. We can't help it, right? We build and we connect. You say, well, I don't build anything. I, I, I don't do that. What relationships have you been building this year? There's some people who say, I, you know, I don't even have a job. I don't have hobbies. Typically, these people have pets that they build into. They're pouring into. They're children. You're building a family. You're building a business. You're building a dream. You're building an identity for yourself. 
In high school, they say, well, I don't have families, I don't have a business, I don't have a job. Well, I guarantee you're building a lot in high school. You're building an identity. You're building a tribe. You're building connections. Well, I'm a, I'm a jock. I play music or I'm a nerd. Whatever it is that you're doing, you're building something. You're connecting. And the building and the connecting always go hand in hand. It's human nature. You can't help it. We talk about in the Scriptures that humans are created in the image of God. We don't know all of the extents of that, but two of the things we do know about this is that our God is a creator and our God is a relator. Meaning even in His very essence, God is relational. We, we have the word for that. We call it Trinity. There are three parts of God and He relates to Himself. And in this interrelation, He can't help but as He relates, He has to add. He has to build. He has to create. And so He's constantly creating new things to connect to. And everything God creates, God intends to connect to. And He creates things and He connects them. He creates things and He connects to them. And He creates things to connect to each other and to create their own things and to connect. And everything out of the nature of God is always expanding. There's always something new God is doing. It's a beautiful thing. But inside of you is this same desire. You can't help it. You have to create something. And you have to connect. So as we go into this year to examine our lives... A question for you to begin to ponder is, what am I creating in my life? Where am I building? Because everyone is building somewhere. And as I'm building, as I'm creating, what am I looking to connect to? What am I looking out for? Because this theme goes all throughout the Scriptures. We go from the, the garden to the tower. So even when the God is completely absent, God is not even the picture. What do humans do? They begin to give each other names. We, we use this thing called language so we can name things, so we can connect to them. Language has one purpose, to connect, so we can identify, we can communicate, so we can share information, so that we can do what? Build things, right? If you're trying to get things done and you can't communicate, there's a problem there. It's very frustrating, it's very difficult. And after this story, we see that God is, we see these new characters. We see someone like Abraham. What's Abraham called to do? He's called to build or create a what? Anybody? A family. A people. And this family, when we use the word family because these people are what? They're interconnected. And this family, this tribe, is going to have one specific purpose. It's going to be a blessing or a gift. It's going to edify. It's going to build up all the tribes. And this one small tribe, this insignificant group of people on the entire face of the earth, is going to have one thing that they're going to do. They're going to be blessed in such a way that they get all the other groups which are separated by languages and cultures and history and colors and races, agendas, education, and this one tribe is going to be a gift to them. And this tribe is going to be able to take all the groups that are not connected, that are building their own things, and they're going to now be connected together in a new thing. And they're going to build one thing. And this new thing that they're going to build is not a nation or a a city, or a people group even, this new thing has a word for it. It starts with a K. You know what that, what that word is? Kingdom. They're going to build one place. Now, what's cool about a kingdom or a city even, and again, we know the story ends with a holy city with walls, right? But a city exists for one thing. What happens when people get in the same space together? What happened? They can't help but do what? They fight. <laughs> Which, by the way, fighting is a form of connection, right? It is. It's part of it, right? We connect. 
What's funny is, and, and you know, people have asked me about like why I like cities so much if I'm an introvert. Because I like the ability to connect with people without all the work, right? You can be on a subway and feel the energy. You can connect to people without having to all the other stuff, right? Now, all you guys who live out in the boonies, acreage and acreage, separating you from everyone else, we know what's going on in your heart, right? We know where Jesus is not. I'm just kidding. All right, so in this process, we have to ask ourselves, what are we creating? What are we connecting to? These are the most important questions of your life. In some way, shape, or form, every year, I'm going to ask you these questions. What have you, in, in 2019, what have you built up? What have you created, and what have you connected to? And in two, 2020, 2020, wow, that's going to be hard for me to get used to. What are you going to create? What are you going to be building? What are you going to be connecting to? Now, there are four primary areas of our lives as we do this. There are, there are four areas that our lives kind of get lived out. Now, the truth is that our lives are never this clean. Your lives don't get to be separated into four categories. Everything overlaps and interconnects. But it helps us to kind of get a grip on things, to look at things. So the four primary areas of your life, the first one that we want to call this, we're going to call it prayer. The idea of prayer is where in your life have you made space to just connect to God? What part of your life are you trying to create or to build up and connect to God? The next part we call rest. The idea of rest is this. Where in your life are you trying to build up and connect to yourself? Now that sounds like a very strange thing, but this is one thing I've found in my life. As a pastor whose primary job is to help people connect to God, I've learned that one of the most crucial parts of connecting to any other person or God is knowing yourself. If I do not know myself, I don't have much to give you, right? I'm giving you a false version of myself. It's one of the most crucial parts of all of life is connecting to ourselves, learning who we are, what is going on inside of this shell, right? So the next part of life we have, we want to call this relationships. Where in our life are we intentionally building or creating connection with other human beings? This one should be pretty self-explanatory. And so the way I like to think about this, I like to start kind of a, if you picture a small circle, I start in my small circle of relationships around me, then I begin to ask my, myself questions about the ones who kind of farther outside of that one and farther outside of that one. How, what relationships am I building? Here's the last quadrant or section of your life, we call it work. Now, if you want to put like work slash calling, right? Where am I placing my giftings? Everyone is gifted with something. Now, you might not have discovered these giftings yet. Part of our job as spiritual guides is to help you identify these gifts in your life. But where are you placing the giftings inside of you? What are you building up? Now, work is often identified as the place you go to make money, and that's a very important place. How much of yourself are you giving to this? But also, we use the word calling because we understand that part of being a Christian is that all things are now belonging to Jesus. Everything is now His. Not just 10%, 100% is now His, not of our money, of our time, of our abilities, our resources. And so the question is, how much of ourselves are we giving to build whatever it is that God is wanting us to build. We call that calling. 
When God uses our abilities and our effort and our energy and our time to build something that is part of that word kingdom. And it might look like church, it might not look like church. It might be obviously a spiritual thing or a calling, and sometimes it might not look so obvious. But we're all called to build the kingdom in some way, shape, or form. Now, the reason that we have to ask these questions is because your resources are finite, meaning they're limited, right? Who has more than 24 hours in a day? Anybody? Obvious question. Who can run for 24 hours and not get tired? Anybody? <laughs> Jason Bourne! Someone's been watching TNT over the holidays, we know. <laughs> the Lord of the Rings and Jason Bourne, every year, we get it. You have a, a limited resource of time, limited amount of energy, limited space for your emotions and your thoughts. You cannot think about everything at once. Now, some of you can think of more things, right? But we can't all think about all things at once. Our mind can only be put in specific places for a certain amount of time. How about your emotions? You only have so much care to give. I think this is one of the hardest parts for me as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. I've only got so much of my emotions to give to people, and I want to give them to everyone. I've only got so much. My wife loves to watch Grey's Anatomy. Who likes that stupid show? You guys love pain. I don't get it. She, watch, she will watch the show, and I walk in, and she's crying. And I'm saying, what is wrong? And it's such a good episode. <laughs> Why are you in, like, asking someone to inflict pain upon you? You're not pastoring enough people. So what, not. <laughs> what it is is in her nature, there's something about this connection to emotions for her that, that is uplifting to her. For me, it's the opposite. I've only got so much care to give to people, and I can't waste it on Gray or every cursed person in Seattle, right? Because they're all going to die, right? I mean, planes and earthquakes and terrorists and, I mean, yeah, everyone should move. I know. And so a hard thing for us is we only have so much care to give. There's only, there's only so much of your emotions to give. If I give all of my passion to, to work, and I give my passion to my family, and I give my passion to my friendships, what is left when I read about the shooting? Oh, another school shooting. Um, I watched a football game last night, and this, this coach's daughter died minutes before the game. And he, he got news about it just minutes before the game started. And you have all these people, these sports fans, who are connecting to this emotion, and they are feeling hurt and pain for this person. It's a good thing that they do. But in this plane crash, there were six other people who died. No one who's watching TV or, you know, connecting to sports was crying for those people. Because even if we want to, we only have so much ability to pour out our emotions. It's a frustrating part of being human. One of the hardest things about being a Christian, again, is, is, to, is to understand that being a Christian is being aware and caring about suffering. 
But the more you become aware of suffering, the more overwhelming you feel. You just, how do I do anything about all of this bad? How do I change anything? And so often, what happens is, when we are evaluating our lives, when we're going over our work and our our families, our relationship with God, we just feel overwhelmed. I think the most common experience most people have with this exercise, they just get frustrated with me. Because we, we start by asking questions, okay, so, so what do you want these parts of your life to look like? And it's almost like the more they begin to get a picture of the life that they wish they had, the more that they just want to pull away from this whole exercise. No, 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 just stop. Because what they experience is they experience just feeling overwhelmed with frustration. Well, I want to spend more time with these people, and I want to do more with the church, and I want to give more, and I want to be more with my family. I want to be more at work. I want to do better. I want, I want these different things. I, I would like to have more prayer time with God, but I just can't. I'm already exhausted. I don't have anything left to give, right? So how do I do this? And so most people just experience this as stress or guilt even. And so part of this exercise The reason that I believe it's important for every Christian in this room to evaluate, to examine your life frequently. For me, I do it about twice a year. Because first of all, understand this, is that you are not responsible to be perfect at anything or everything. Secondly, God has not called you to do everything. That's a huge reality to accept. And so if God hasn't called me to everything, If I'm not responsible for everything, then the question is, what am I responsible to? What is God calling me to right now? At the heart of the examine is trying to discern, meaning to find. It's almost like searching in the dark. The heart of this process for you every year should be this. All right, God, where do I need to pour myself into this year? in my work, in my relationships, in my time with you, even in in, in my time taking care of myself, what does it need to look like this year? And it should change. It should should constantly change for you. So this process, here are some questions that I want to give you to kind of help you start out with. In your prayer life, here are two questions. First one, as we try to kind of discern what our prayer life, what, what should our time to God look like this year? The first question is this, what ways of connecting to God do I least enjoy or understand? Which ways of connecting are the hardest for me? I love this question because most of you have been told what it looks like to connect to God. Devotionals look like this. You wake up in the morning, you get your coffee out, you get your Bible open, and you Instagram it. Come on. Come on, anybody? Okay, not funny. I'm a good Christian. Look, I do it. (laughs) I've done it multiple times. It's okay. I'm guilty too. If this isn't working for me, if I do this, if I've been doing this for years and years and I just can't get any connection, then is there something else I need to be trying? So the first way that I like to kind of to find my way, okay, God, where are you leading me to? I like to ask myself these questions. It doesn't mean that we will always avoid the forms of connecting to God that are difficult. But it means if there's going to be a place where we need to kind of grow quickly, we need to gain energy with God and our connection to Him, we need to find a way that comes natural for us. So often in this part of your life, in the prayer part of your life, I tend to encourage people most 
if they haven't found a way that naturally that they connect to God, I encourage them to use this part, this square, if you would, to begin to investigate, to experiment, to find ways that they do connect with God. If the devotional works for you, then we're going to keep it right there. If it doesn't work, then we're going to try other things. If you want to try a reading plan, we can do that. If you want, to, if you want me to teach you all the different parts of the ways of praying, we can do that. If you want to use that time in the morning to just kind of sit there with your coffee and watch the sunrise, we can do that. If you need a journal, whatever it is, we can help build in a space for you to create, to, to connect to God. A second question in this area of your life. If you had no limitations, if you had all the time in the world... If you had money and resources, if you had a spiritual guide, right? If you had someone to teach you how to do it, how would you spend a day connecting to God? If you had no limits, if you could spend the day having someone who you, who you respected spiritually take you out and teach you how to connect to God, would you do that? If you had no limitations and you genuinely wanted to connect to God, how would you do it? You might not be able to have no limitations, but when you paint the picture, you now know what I need to start walking towards. I might not have a full day, but can I find 10 minutes? Can I find half an hour? Can I find one day every three months where I take off work and someone else takes care of these duties for me and I just kind of have a day alone with God? And what would that look like? Do I need someone with me to teach me uh, what to do that day? Or do I just need to be alone for a while? When it comes to rest, this for me is one of the hardest categories. How to build up, right? To build up my connection to myself. To create connection with myself. Here's the first thing I ask. What activity or duty makes me feel the most drained, depressed, or angry? One of the reasons that prayer might come difficult for you is because there might be something in your life that's literally draining all of your energy. I said earlier that all these boxes are interconnected. They're not separate. What happens in one affects the other. If you have no prayer life, it affects your relationships with others. It affects your work life. If you have no time, you'll have to take care of yourself. You don't know how to take care of yourself. It affects your prayer life, your relationships. It affects your work. You cannot ignore these things, guys. Most of us will go through life drifting, and we will never pay attention to things that matter. I wouldn't bug you with this if I didn't think you needed it. I hate this practice. <laughs> I love the idea of it. It's a beautiful idea. I even love to write down on paper, oh, that's awesome. I'm going to do these beautiful things. But when the day on my calendar comes around and I have to take a day to not do anything, to not be around anyone and to take care of myself, wait, I have something really important I got to do that day. <laughs> Sorry. I, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just bump that to next week what I'll do. So finding stressors. Are there areas in my life where I'm doing things that I'm not built for? It's a common one that I tend to help people with. Sometimes uh, a reaction would be, well, the job I'm in, it, it's just the wrong job. I had to quit. And I ask them a question. So I say, okay, was there ever a position at this job, which when you did it, it didn't drain you the same way? What if you took a demotion? What if you went to your boss and you said, okay, would you please put me back to my old job? I know it's going to cost me money, but I need it. Are you in a position right now that you were not created for? 
You can do it. You can get the job done. But every day you're there, it saps from your prayer life. It destroys your relationships. And it takes away from the calling God's put on your life. Something that I've had to answer every single year the last five years. I'm continually pulling myself away from things that I need to do, but I'm terrible at. Things that kill my soul. And I'm pulling myself towards things that I'm called to do. To build things that God's called me to build. And in that, the opposite of things that drain you, what activities or things do you experience where you walk away feeling alive? Now, depending on your personality, this might be a very difficult question for you. What do I do, and when I do it, I walk away feeling alive? It's almost like I'm energized. A good question for you with this also is, what if this was your job? What if your job was to do this thing? Now, we'll get into that in a whole different day. What if this is what you are called to do? What if God's called you to do the thing that comes natural to you, that you're gifted at, that brings you life? See, there are things that I'm gifted at that I could do for days on end and not get tired. But other people, you put them in that job, it would destroy them. But you put me in a place that I'm not built for. You put me there for one day, it could destroy me. And these are hard questions. But these are the questions you need to ask. Because what matters is your soul. You can be very rich, but how are your relationships? How's your prayer life? How's your self-care? What matters most? Few people I know in my life are genuinely happy in the depths of their soul. Finding this thing takes hard questions, takes hard choices. But I encourage you, it's worth it. In your relationships, building connection to other people, investing in these relationships. Question for this year, for 2020. What do you need most from a relationship this year? See, each category, each area of our lives has two parts to it. There's the end, right? It's almost like the input, what you are investing in it, what you are pouring into this thing. And then there's the out, there's the reception. What are you desiring to receive from this thing? When it comes to my relationships, what am I, who am I trying to pour into and what am I trying to receive? When it comes to my work or my calling, what am I, what am I trying to get out of this? Do I need this paycheck? Do I need this, this gratification? Do I need to, to find enjoyment? and passion in my life. What do I need out of this in my life right now in this season of my life? Because there might be seasons of your life where you need to focus on things pouring into areas that you might not want to, but this is a question for every part of your life, every season. That's why we do this constantly. It changes. In my relationships, what do I need to receive? And in inverse, what do these relationships need from me? What do these relationships around me need from me? I think one of the hardest things for all of us in relationships is trying to give what the other needs. Typically, what we need is also what we try to communicate, what we try to offer people. What you want from them or what you are trying to receive, we offer, it's a natural kind of reaction. It's what we, we naturally offer people. But the question is, what do these relationships need from me specifically this year? Obviously, as a parent for me, this changes every year. 
What does a nine-year-old need as opposed to a a three-year-old? What does a six-year-old need? What does a different personality need? What does this personality of this child in this season of their life need from me? As a good parent, I should be adapting and changing constantly to find out what do they need from me in this season of their life with what they're facing right now? What does my spouse or my friends or my coworkers, what do they need from me right now with the things that they're facing? Because it's going to change. The things I'm going to offer them are going to change as they go through life. Work. How much time, energy, and gifts have been used for my career and to further my family? This is a very important question. It's a healthy question. This is not a bad thing. This is a good thing. How much of myself am I offering? Am I giving? Often, there are sometimes I'll lead someone through this. And we'll identify that they have some amazing giftings. But the job that they're in, it's limited them. The income is, is limited. Their giftings don't really shine in this job. But they're too afraid to make a leap to go try to get the place where they could get more out of their giftings. Their income could be greater. Their, their giftings are a better fit. And so sometimes it just, we just need someone else to see it with us. So in this process, I tend to encourage people to go through it in, in groups with other people who you trust. Because when someone else says, hey, you are amazing, you know, if you went to this job, they would think, oh, you would do so good there. So sometimes making that big leap, we just need a little bit of affirmation. And of course, as Christians, this entire process, we, we go through this entire thing with prayer, trying to discern, God, what's best for my family? Do I need to shift from this and to go over to this place right now to take care of my family and my career. The last question is this. How much time and energy, gifts, have been used for, in your calling? Meaning, to build up the kingdom of God. I wish that every calling looked really ordinary. I wish I could tell you that every calling was either being a missionary or being a pastor. It makes sense, right? It's not that simple, right? So what, how has God called you to use what he's given you to build up this thing we call the kingdom of God? Is it something that's a little bit easier for us to find? Is it something that kind of fits into a, a department head role? Am I, am I a volunteer somewhere in the church? Am I, is, is it my giving? Which all these things are crucial things. Or is it something that looks a little bit less expected? So sometimes it's one of the best things to go through with a spiritual guide to help you find what your calling is, because sometimes they don't look spiritual on the surface, but they are extremely spiritual. One of the best things about the kingdom of God is that it's not confined to a building or to a structure or to a format or to Sunday mornings. So participating in building the kingdom doesn't always look the same. And so I encourage you, these are great questions to ask. You could be in your 50s or 60s and not even started yet on your calling. And the truth of all this is, you will never get there until we begin asking these hard questions. I was lucky enough to bump into leaders and guides and mentors who asked me these hard questions at an early age. And the reason I give this to you every year, and it might be boring every year for you, and my hope is this, one year it might click. You might be in a place in your life where you're ready to ask these hard questions, because here's the problem. When you ask these questions about what God is saying and about the things that you really want, there's a problem because it always requires change. And change is risky and it's uncomfortable and there's friction. But, oh. 
But the one thing that we all say that we're after, we want to be happy, we want to connect, we want to be a part of something bigger, we want to just find that fulfillment. And truly, some of us aren't even saying those things because we don't feel them yet. One of the scariest things, depending on your personality, is that some of these questions might actually unlock desires that have been hidden. It's a scary thing to be content to, group, to float through life and then to have these desires and passions awakened inside of us. And now we have to ask hard questions. But I guarantee you this. We go through this entire process with this one thing, right? We are trying to discern, trying to find God and follow God. That's the heart of this for us. So for all of you practical people in the room, here are some steps. You ready? Here's the first one. Write it down, <laughs> right? It's helpful sometimes just to kind of make the, the square. If, you, if, you, if you're not a visual learner, if you don't like the quadrants, that's okay. You can do it any way you want to do it, right? But sit down and begin to ask yourselves questions. Uh, in our spiritual formation classes, we have so many more questions we ask you. There's a whole lot more to it. But you can start with the stuff that, that uh, we gave you this morning. Sit down and ask yourself. God, what is it that you want me to be building and connecting to with you, with myself, and the relationships around me, and with my work? Second thing, learn. Pursue training, however you want to word it. Is it books? Is it podcasts that you need to be doing? Is it, is it fine? Is it classes of the church? Is it spiritual formation track when we get that going? Like, what do you need to do to find, to begin figuring these things out? You will get as much out of it as you bring to it, but if you're really wanting the answers to this, you can find it. Begin to seek it out. Third step, find companions. I encourage you not to do this stuff alone. It's no fun, I promise. Find people who want to do it with you. And the last one for all of us, it's important to, to find a guide. Uh, of all the people, I'm sometimes the worst at finding guides. I don't enjoy the process, but it's important. So for me, uh, one of my rules of life, one of the things I did last year that I knew that I needed in order to connect to God and to build my relationship with God, I knew that I needed a spiritual director, which is a, it's a code for spiritual counseling. So I meet with him every month, and his job is to guide me, to ask me really difficult questions, to make me examine things in my soul that I would rather ignore and to put me on the other end of this relationship, right? To make me sit there and hear someone say things I don't want to talk about. It's terrific. I love it. And I always forget about the meeting because <laughs> it's the last thing on my mind. I'll always ignore it and it's always because it's on Tuesday mornings and I always wake up late and I'm always five minutes late. I'm always late to this meeting because I always forget about it because I don't want to be there but I need to be there, right? I need it. Find guides. The reason that we have people in this room who we pay to be here and people who volunteer their time to be here to be leaders and guides is because we know that this process is not easy. We're trying to find, to answer the deepest human questions. Why are you on this planet? What were you made for? Who created you? Are you loved at all? Do you have a purpose? Do you have a gifting? If you died today, would anyone miss you? We're trying to answer these deep soul things, and we need, we need help to answer them, so find a guide along the way. Would you guys stay with me this morning? I don't, I don't always enjoy the content when I preach this or teach this series, this 
Sunday because, you know, it's not as much fun. I can't slip, you know, have as many jokes. It gets a little quiet. But I, but I do it for this reason. I genuinely believe that you need it. It might not sink this year. It might not touch the soul this year. It might not mean anything to you this year. But I hope that there are people in this room who you are ready for this. You are ready to, to ask the questions. You're ready to make the changes. And when you are, there's always a huge reward for that. A huge payoff for that. So I was praying about this year. There's something I wanted to share this morning. I think it fits this year, but it also fits to any year. I like that rhythm. That's nice. Are you able and ready to receive what this new season has for you? Are you able and ready to receive what this new year has for you? Here's the difficulty with the new year. Every year, every season of your life, every transition in your life, there's a gift from God hidden inside of it. But there's also a giant flaw in every single year. The flaw of 2020 is this. I should stop saying that. The flaw of 2020, it sounds better, right? 2020? The flaw of 2020 is this. It's not 2019. (laughs) Or 18, or 17, or 15, or 05, or whatever was the golden year for you that you look back at and say, oh, I wish it was just like it used to be. Here's the problem with every single new gift from God. It's not the old gift. So many of us will go into this year, we will miss the things that God has because we are unwilling to let go of the way things have been. We're not willing to embrace the new gift because it's not the old gift. We want it to be just like it was that one year when everything was perfect. As a pastor, I've experienced that a lot. My parents used to talk about this church called Maranatha in Fort Smith. They'd always talk about the goal. Man, things were just so great at Maranatha. Oh, it was amazing. And then I went to this church in Pennsylvania. And then I remember there's some golden years there. And then it fell away. There went, oh, do you remember the great years? Oh, man, the old church building was amazing. And then I, then I went into the ministry. <laughs> oh, do you remember when the youth group was like, that? Oh, oh, do you remember all oh, back in the old days when we used to do this? Grace Covenant was amazing. First Assembly, Alma, who's the best? And then I got married. Oh, do you remember that third year we got married and we didn't have any kids? <laughs> oh, do you remember when Jude was just a little baby and we were just holding him right here in our arms? Do you remember that? That was great. And one of the hardest things of life is to enjoy what's right here because we've always had this this nature. We want to just hold on to what was. This year can be a gift for you. This year is going to be a huge gift for this church. But it has a requirement. You've got to be ready to let go of what was. When you are living in the past, when you're holding on to the past, you're not in the present. Father, I just pray over us, even over myself, Father, we thank you for all of the good gifts, all the good things, the good experiences, the good relationships, the good, the good, all of the good from those best moments in 2019 and 18 and 17. 
But Father, we ask that we would go into 2020 with hands and hearts and eyes and minds wide open. Father, we go into this year. If you just would humor me, if you guys would kind of have your hands open like this, right? Just like you're going to hug somebody. But don't hug anybody. <laughs> Father, we come into this year, arms and hearts wide open. Whatever you have for us this year, we receive it. Mentally, emotionally, physically, we are ready for the new gifts that this year has. In Jesus' name.